0: Welcome to the I Will Teach You A Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. 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 Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the I Will Teach You A Language podcast. Now, I'm going to set the scene for you a little bit right now. Um, I am standing in the south of Japan in a very small town called yufuin and yufuin is uh well known to people who know japan or or kyushu at least which is the the southernmost island of the three main islands in japan and it's uh, it's well known for being an area full of the most amazing hot springs that uh, that there are in in, in japan it's a, an amazing place and if you are following me on instagram at i will teach your language uh, you will doubtless see some pictures of this place's uh on my on my on my feet and i'm standing right now it, it's a little bit weird it's about minus four degrees outside which is sub-zero but i'm standing with my feet in a hot spring and it's a hot spring in, in the hotel that i'm staying at i've got this beautiful private bath private hot spring in the in the in the room and i, I i've just stepped outside to record this little message um I wasn't actually planning on standing with my feet in the hot spring, but it just so happens that it's, um yeah, you, you, you'll know this if, you, if you've ever been to Japan, like the the water kind of overflows from the top of the hot spring onto the ground around the outside. And so you're kind of standing on the stones, which are kind of just covered in uh, in this flowing warm water full of minerals and things like that is a, uh, a really, really nice scene. And, um, I'm recording this intro because, full disclosure, we had a bit of a technical hiccup with part four of this uh, my, my, uh, my interview with, with Lydia. Now, you'll know if you've been listening to the last uh, three episodes of the podcast that um, myself and Lydia have been talking about the fundamentals of language learning. And we're on part four. But I, I received a message from Dave who is on uh, the I Will Teach Your Language team. He helps helps me to put the podcasts together. And um, there I was, travelling through Japan, and I got a message from Dave saying, Oli, for some reason, on this recording that we're supposed to be releasing today, part three is the same as part four. Uh, so, uh, can you sort it out, please? And um, luckily, we had the recording for part four of the interview itself, because we have it. Um, we, we had that. But I had to re-record the intro, which is what I'm doing right now. So rather than just... Uh, rather than cover it up and pretend nothing happened i thought i would give you a little insight into what the uh, the 7th of january looks like for ollie uh in 2019 for what it's worth so today you're going to hear part four of this fantastic series with lydia uh you guys have been really enjoying this i know because i've I've received lots of emails about it and lydia has told me as well that many of you have been emailing her to tell her how much you've enjoyed the series so i'm really glad that uh that you've been enjoying it we've got today's episode to come and one more as well to come after that so i hope you enjoy today's episode i do of course have to thank the sponsors of the show without whom the podcast may well not be around this is of course italki and if you haven't started speaking regularly yet in your foreign language as you will hear today i think it's today i don't have my notes in front of me so i can't be sure <laughs> but as you will hear today from Lydia, If you want to speak a language well, you have to speak it a lot. It is a very simple concept, but a very, very uh, important one and easy to underestimate. Think about it. If you're not speaking a lot, how do you ever expect to get good at speaking? And that, my friend, is where italki comes in because they help connect you with native speaker teachers all over the world. And you can take lessons over the Internet at very convenient times for you. Uh, We have an arrangement whereby you can get $10 worth of free credit which you can put towards a couple of trial lessons so you can test out a couple of different teachers and you can get that special deal by going to com forward slash free lesson okay that's enough from me Um, I will now turn down the volume on these um, the sounds of the the, the, uh, the hot water running over my feet and give you the much more interesting sounds of me just <laughs> chatting with Lydia about language learning I hope you enjoy Okay, welcome back. This is part four. I keep wanting to give this series a title, but we haven't thought of that yet. So, part mm-hmm. four of Oli and, and Lydia talk about languages. <laughs> our best language our learning
1: time. tips, maybe. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tips and tricks for learning a language with Oli and Lydia. Mostly with Lydia, though. I'm just nodding. <laughs> so, this is part four of five. In part one, we covered the importance of the attitude and the mindset you bring to learning. Sounds woo-woo, but actually is extremely important. And without that, everything else fails. In part two, we talked about prioritizing time and prioritizing. Part three, we talked about the actual mechanics of learning. What do you do to to learn the language? And then in part three, we're talking – sorry, part four now, we're getting onto everybody's favorite topic, which is speaking. Right. So – how do you see speaking fitting into the context of um, of learning a language, Really, Do we start speaking from the beginning? And if not, when do we start? How much do we speak? Should right. we even speak? Mm.
1: So how do I see it? I see it as the most important part of it all, because this is usually the goal for people, as we've mentioned, right? People want to be able to speak fluently, but they don't really realize that this is the last thing they do. When they look at the things they do in their language learning, then speaking is usually not given as much time. But I believe it, it needs, like it really needs to uh, have a lot of time on your language learning agenda, because otherwise you will not improve in your speaking. You will improve in your vocabulary, comprehension, grammar, but not speaking. So however you learn, whatever methods you use, you just really need to make sure that speaking is a huge part of it. And as we touched upon that, I'm not a big fan of speaking from the very, very beginning, just because I like to have some, like if we're learning a language from the beginning, from the start, I like to have some content, you know, some input before that. So when I, when I, uh, before I start speaking. And if we're speaking to about people who have some passive knowledge of the language um, and want to activate it, then I really recommend starting with intensive listening and reading for, let's say, a month, and then start with an intensive, plan to speak and speak a lot, right? How, how do you feel about it? Like what's your, I think we didn't really get, you, we didn't get to answer that question from your point of view, speaking so, from the beginning?
0: Speaking from the beginning, yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't do it. Um, I mean, to, to give my, my Italian uh, project, uh, to use that as an example, I mean, I uh, what I wanted to test in this project was how much can I learn actually without speaking at all just from reading and listening so I gave myself a, a speaking ban that's cool for the first month no speaking I didn't speak a word I really wanted to actually <laughs> um but I didn't and I found that actually it was great because when I did come to speak there was, so, there was less of the struggle that I you know, often associated with speaking so um you know I, I spent a month intensively reading and listening exactly what you said and then, um, started to speak from month two. And it was, the process was much faster after that because I just had that knowledge in my brain. Mm -hmm. And having said that, I think there is, I think it's worth considering why speaking from the very beginning is often given as advice. And, and, you know, when you speak to people, you know, kind of casual language learners who have maybe learned one other language and they just love it. They're super happy with it. It's changed their life. They've had a wonderful experience. Often people in that situation will say, speak from day one. And the, I think that advice comes from a good place because one of the big dangers of, of anyone learning a language is that they never actually start speaking at all. And it's a huge danger. It happens to so many people. And so one way to avoid that danger is to say, look, let's not let speaking turn into a huge um, beast that you have to slay, you know, a huge, a huge source of fear. And anxiety, which it does for people. Mm-hmm. Let's, not, let's not let that happen. And to avoid that, we're going to go straight in and start from from the beginning. Speak from the first ever lesson. Right. I understand why that is. Why that can be useful uh, for people. And I used to do that myself as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it, I think if, if someone feels that that's the right thing for them to do, I think it's okay. Mm-hmm. But in terms of efficiency and actually, you know, making making you know chart, charting a. a a, an effective um, progress through the learning process, I think it doesn't really help because let's face it on day one, you have nothing to say. you, you know a okay. few. So what's the point? Yeah. yeah.
1: No, I, I, I think you put it very nicely. Like, this is a very good a summary of the whole when to start speaking. So I agree. If, if, it is, if it is one of the two extremes, like wait till you are ready to speak or speak right away without waiting, then definitely it's the second one uh, without any doubt. But as you say, yeah, it's um, some material to speaking. I I also had this experience. I use it in Swahili and before with, you know, Esperanto, Polish, Russian, other languages that I learned. Um, If I waited just a little bit, but I knew that I am going to force myself to start speaking when I don't feel ready yet, and this is a very important point. Um, So you need to give it. Let's say you say you give it one month or maybe two months. You know, it, it it doesn't really matter how much it is, but it needs to be not too long so it it shouldn't be like half a year or a year that's definitely not a good good way to to start speaking
0: guess it, it, it must depend on the language somewhat though right because if you're learning uh, know, yeah. chinese or something like a very a very different language from the perspective of an english speaker i mean uh, you know i mean I, like for in, in italian for example I, I i could start speaking quite soon because you know it, Linguistically, it's quite close to English, but I, I, I could understand how with, with, with Chinese, you might want to wait a little longer. But yeah, six months does sound like a long time to be learning a language without actually speaking. Mm. Because, you know, how do you say, personally, I find this, I need speaking. Speaking is ultimately what motivates me the most. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I kind of feel like I need that f- fairly early on. Mm-hmm.
1: I think there is a way how to start speaking with very little vocabulary. But it does include a lot of translation. And I know people are. some people are not big fans of that. They say, oh, I just want to learn a language without using my mother tongue. I personally think that's nonsense. And it just means you will learn for a lot longer. Because um, when you use translation, meaning, let's say, the tutor, it doesn't have to be a tutor, but the person you're speaking to, practicing with you, uh, knows your language. Well, let's say English, right? And, um, so you can start speaking with very little vocabulary by just asking, uh, or trying to answer some simple questions using a lot of English at the beginning. So if the, if the teacher asks you, um, you know, where are you living? And you say, I, how do I say live? You know, and you ask him, how do, how do I say live? And he says, you say it like this and that. You repeat it. And then you say, I live in Bratislava. So you've just learned the word which you needed for the conversation. By asking for it in the language which is common to you and the tutor does that make sense
0: yeah absolutely and i think also that can be i've had experiences with languages where there are very few materials and resources where that is actually the only way to go about learning so egyptian arabic when i when i learned that when i was living in egypt there are there's basically nothing available um, for that language and and the only things that are usable or that any good are written entirely in arabic for the use of Teacher. So as a self-studier, yeah. mm. I had nothing, literally. So the only way I could get into the language was to sit with my tutor, Sarah, in, in, you know, in a cafe in Cairo and basically say to her, how do I say my name is Oli? How do I say where do I live? <laughs> like that was lesson one. It was like, or well, right. session one, I guess. It was literally just that. Mm-hmm. And so for, for languages without good resources, I mean, it may well be that that's your that's – your, your only way in, but, but we're talking about the exceptions here rather than mm.
1: I think it, this method is usable for any language, and, and this is maybe the um, mindset that people should have when they say practice speaking. because for many people who don't have the experience, they think that you know when you have a lesson with a tutor, you're supposed to give full sentences and they should be grammatically correct and you know you, you have a conversation. But when I look back at my first Swahili lessons, which were about one month or two months after I started learning it by myself, they were a lot of English. There, there was just, uh how do I say this? How do I say that? Uh-huh, why is it in this form? And I didn't understand the grammar, obviously. So I was just repeating these things and trying to repeat them as often as possible in order to l- learn them. But it, ha- it helped me a lot that I had spent two months learning Swahili before because yeah. I did have to ask for, how do I say I? How do I say live? How do I say Bratislava? And why, like, how do I say the grammar of this sentence, right? I already knew... You
0: get lots of me. resources for... For, for, for Swahili, self-study resources? Uh,
1: not really. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a, actually a surprisingly big language. It has about 80 to 100 million speakers. Wow. But uh, it's, yeah, it's the second second biggest language in Africa. Uh, I, I had no clue about that before I started. But uh, there are some materials, but not too many. And uh, I haven't looked for authentic materials yet. I'm getting to a B1 level now. I think I'm on a B1 level now. So I will start looking for those materials now uh, with like, you know, small prints or books like that, which probably were translated into Swahili. Um, But uh, it's not one of those languages. Like, for example, Asimil only has it into French, not into English. So if you are an English speaker, you might struggle with, with with some of
0: those materials. It is an interesting issue. I think this raises questions for classroom teachers. As well, you know, like when's the appropriate time to start speaking? Because again, like the expectation from a lot of students going into a language class is, is that we will speak. And if they, I mean, how many times have you heard someone complain? You know, I went to a language class. I we sat there for ninety minutes, and I didn't say anything. We didn't speak. But why? Why is that necessarily a problem? You know, why? You know, maybe it could be the case that you're learning tons of stuff. Like what? Why do you, why is it like automatically an assumption that if you kind of sit there parroting stuff and drilling drilling things that that's actually going to be, be be beneficial for you? I think a lot of cl- approaches to classroom teaching do take this view of okay, let's get students speaking from the start. So I'm going to teach you the you know, the structure of the present perfect using a rule on the board, and then I expect you to take that grammar point and start speaking using that 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 grammar point right away. And that's always struck me as like. It gives you that the the illusion of learning, gives you the illusion of making progress, um, but it is really just an illusion because you've got no depth there. You're just kind of parroting stuff that you've heard, or or using your your brain to construct a, a, a grammar rule. <laughs> I think there's a big, there's a very big case to be made for actually just not speaking at all in, in, in class but the trouble is like what do students expect to speak you know that's the expectation that's the expectation like, it comes back to the you know the first part of this conversation doesn't it that the kind of mindset and the attitude it's like uh, the best teacher in the world is only as good as his worst student
1: <laughs> yeah as for the speaking in the lesson i i think it depends a lot on what is the other activity that you did of instead of the speaking, of the speaking. Because a lot of, a lot of lessons, yeah. I think, are wasted because the teacher speaks too much and the student thinks, oh, at least I'm getting some input. But I think this is actually wasting their, the time and the money because you can get so much input from listening outside of the lesson for free, right? I mean, podcast series, we named a few of those. So um, I would say the goal is to speak, but as you said, it should have some depth. So just, I think a problem often is artificial situations, right? Your student A, your student B, you're lost at a train station. You give them that directions. And it's it's all such an artificial situation where I, th- I think, I see it like this, my brain says, hey, but I'm not lost in the train station. I don't need to know if I should go right and then left and then straight. Like it's, it's all very artificial, right? What I What I prefer to have is get to speak to native speakers as much as possible and get into these situations for real, like really try to help someone who is asking me for help. You know, but that means, of course, uh, being in touch with native speakers, um, also in real life, not not just not just having iTalki sessions, which is, of course, impossible for some people. But yeah, anyway, that's yeah. Okay. that's a wider topic. We, yeah,
0: so, yeah. I mean, this is again a, a huge topic. conversation. Yes. <laughs> All right, so we've talked about the ethos of speaking and when 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 you, when is the right time to speak, start speaking. Um, how about some some a few practical ideas here because yep. um, you know speaking what does it mean how do you practice speaking how do you right. get better at it
1: so if, i would suggest if someone is really scared of the idea of just getting a, a,
0: a tutor and talk
1: to them right away and he's a native speaker you know and it, it's super stressful and i suggest go through self-talk before that self-talk basically means you talk to yourself but you do it in a structured way. So let's say you want to tell yourself what your day was like, and what you had for breakfast, and what you will do tomorrow or at the weekend. And you try to simplify as much as you as much as you can. You open a dictionary or a Google Translate or something, and you look for the words which you were missing. So if you say, okay, um, so today I woke up. Hmm, how do I say wake up, right? And it's it's a word you want to use. So you you look it up. And then you use it again and you say, okay, I woke up and then I had breakfast. I didn't go to work because I was ill, etc., etc." So you basically practice with yourself. And I know it sounds weird for many people, but I think this is a wonderful practice because you are forced to actually give some output to like speak, you know, to pronounce the words, look for them in your brain. So it's, it's pretty, pretty difficult. Uh, I mean, it, it, it strains your brain a lot but it gives you the necessary practice that you need maybe before the lesson with a uh, with native speaker. Yeah.
0: yeah, especially as well if you can't be speaking, right? It gives you a way to do something, to retrieve yeah. that information from your brain.
1: Exactly, yeah. Just very, very simple terms and, and practice what maybe the native speaker will ask you, you know. Tell me who you are, where you're from, how long have you been learning this language, uh, etc. You can easily prepare for that. So that would be one tip, I would say. But the second thing is, People often look for native speakers thinking they are the best teachers or professional teachers, you know, if they have a certificate. Um, and I'm not saying they are not good, but there are so many other people you can practice with who can who can be of the same service to you. Um, I don't think that especially on a, a level up to B2, I don't think it's particularly important that the other person is a native speaker. Like, of course, it's always good. And of course, it helps to hear the accent, etc., and you are sure that the native speaker understood you. So other people would understand you as well. But I am a big fan of two people practicing together, even if they are both students of the language, even if they are both on, let's say, lower levels and they cannot give each other uh, a lot of feedback or correct each other's mistakes, but they still get to practice a lot. So what, what I, and, and this is so easy because you can easily find students who are um, learning the same language as you are if you just agree that you will meet systematically online or offline and practice speaking, then that makes it super easy, right? Just to just to practice a lot. Because again, as I said, it's, it's fun, a lot of contact, uh, effective methods and systems. So you need a lot of contact. And if you don't want to speak to yourself, you can speak to someone else. You don't need to worry about getting valuable feedback because people don't really listen to the feedback anyway. I mean I don't know what's your experience, but if if you're trying to speak in a language which you're struggling with and someone keeps correcting you all the time, you won't probably remember it right um, yeah I mean there's different uh,
0: different experiences right i mean I mean given the choice between speaking practicing speaking with a native speaker or another student, I would probably choose the native speaker right but if you can sure you can yeah. but often often you can't and um uh, so, so yeah, having opportunity to actually, you know, if your aim is to, to practice speaking, to practice output, then anyone is is great because it's just the, the process is going on inside your brain, right? You're, you're challenging yourself and, and your brain to actually get stuff out there. It's it's different, though, isn't it? From I guess it's important to point out that, and yeah correct me if I'm wrong, but as I interpret what you're saying. It's important to point out that you're not saying um, that, say, a group class with lots of other learners is okay to be your main source of input. Mm-hmm. that's like a different—that's a different thing, isn't it? are well, you're, you're talking specifically here about output and, and the opportunity yeah. to practice speaking.
1: Yeah, yeah, and also, of course, if I can choose, I will also opt for a native speaker if I can. But for many people, this is a big struggle because first they don't know where they can find native speakers to talk to. Or then they don't want to pay uh, money for the lessons. But if you find another student, you can have it for free because you're both motivated to practice. So I think this is a, a big argument for many
0: people. Yeah. So, know. what are the benefits then of, um, what are some, some of the benefits of, uh, of speaking with other students?
1: Well, both of you are motivated. So it's, it's not just you trying to um, you know, ask someone to spend time with you, the other person is practicing at the same time. So, you're both gaining from the experience. And, uh, yeah, and, and maybe you're a little less stressed because, you know, the other person is not judging you or anything. They make some mistakes and you make some mistakes and maybe you can help them with something and they can help you with something. So I think it's more relaxed. Uh This is this is the experience I have with the people I work with, that when they find someone that is as eager to improve the language and they can share this whole journey. It's like, oh, you know, I watched this really interesting TV series yesterday and this episode, et cetera, et cetera. So the other person understands because they're also learning the language. And I think this is something that often um actually lacks uh, with native speakers because if if that native speaker is not really learning any other language then they cannot really understand the process you're going through right
0: yeah they can correct you maybe but they they might not be able to tell you why what you're saying so what about Um, mistakes because mistakes are obviously when we speak we don't like to make mistakes they make us feel foolish they slow us down they uh frustrate us because we, uh, we forget the things that we've been studying. How, how do you think about making mistakes when speaking?
1: This is, again, something which people just need to change in their mindset, really. And, and this is, I think, the biggest difference between experienced language learners and beginner language learners, because beginner language learners worry about mistakes far too much. And I think it just takes a little bit of personal experience where you realize nothing really happens when when you make a mistake. Actually, what happens is that you learn from it. So try and wait till you're perfect in the language it doesn't make any sense at all. Um instead, you this is really the only way to get there is through mistakes. And that's uh, the, the, that's how it works. So I think what it takes is for people to realize this is okay, this is part of the process, and this is not um, you know, it's not a bug, it's a feature. Like this is this is how it's supposed to be. So and and oh, the, and then that. you don't, I
0: love that it's not a bug it's a feature that's brilliant. Right.
1: Yeah. And 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 so you you stop worrying about it and and you take it as a game. You go like uh, if you get into this state of mind where you you're playful with it. It's like uh, you know I want to tell you that I will go there tomorrow and and you are trying to make future tense let's say. And you are guessing how it could be and you you just guess like because you had some input before. You just make a guess and then you wait for the, let's say, the tutor to correct you or see the um, the, the reaction to that. So I think I think that helps a lot. Um, it's, also,
0: it's also worth re- worth recognizing that this is kind of it's easy to make the assumption that if let's say you make a mistake, right? Let's say you make a mistake in English and I point that mistake out to you, chances are you're not going to remember that correction anyway. Yeah. You know, often when someone corrects me, I'm like, oh, okay. In the moment. It's great. And I feel like I've learned. Mm -hmm. But almost certainly, I'll make that same mistake five minutes later. Exactly. That that is the experience of learning.
1: And and that is why I always ask my tutors to write down my mistakes. So when I have my italki session, we always have a Google sheet open. And whenever I make a mistake, my, my tutor writes it down with yep. the English translation. So you
0: might need to do that as well, but I'm, I'm too lazy to ever go back and review the notes. That's the thing. You get those lists of corrections. You've got to make sure then that you actually go back and review them, right? No,
1: there needs I, to be I, a systematic way about that because otherwise you'll never
0: get to it. Yeah, I, so that, that's, the, that's the point where I really often fall down. Mm. because I just, um, I, 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 I don't know, I, as time goes on, I, 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 I like less and less doing any activity that's not completely natural. You know, yeah, I know.
1: But in my case, for example, I'm on line 750 right now with my Swahili, but I have put 560 of those words into my gold list method, which is a method for learning vocabulary I use. I just put them into a notebook and rewrite them every two weeks. It's a wonderful method. And so every day I know it's part of my system. When I wake up, I first do my gold listing. I know I need to create a new list of 20 expressions. So I just open this list and it's wonderful because it's already there. It's, 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 the, it's the words which I missed when I was speaking before with my tutor and I just rewrite them into the vocabulary like 20 at a time and then move on. So yeah. th- that's the system, right? I think I, I also struggled with this with many languages, but right now I have a system for processing that vocabulary.
0: Yeah, The closest I, I've, I've come to a system that really works for me is to run my list of notes through a filter. So if I, if I end, a spe- if I have, if I speak Italian for an hour with my tutor and I have a list of, I don't know, a hundred yeah. <laughs> corrections that he's made or something, which is pretty normal. Yeah. If I'm doing what I should do, because I know it works, is at the end, I'll take the time to go back through that list, choose the stuff I think is really important, maybe five, 10, 15 things, and then put do something with, that, with, with those points, right? Mm-hmm. I, I like to use flashcards because I like how it stays organized. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of copy them into my flashcards. So I, through choosing just the most important stuff, I'm kind of being, so I, I, I'm keeping it manageable. Like, so yeah. it's like, okay, it's 10 things, oh, I can do that. Right. But if I try to learn everything, it's just, it's just impossible. Definitely. Uh, that's, that's, that's the closest I've come like that. It's a system that isn't totally overwhelming. Because uh, otherwise you just have these long lists of stuff that you never go back to, right? And it's no. just such a kind of waste of everybody's effort.
1: And it and when it gets too big, it's scary. Like you don't you don't want to really do anything with it because it's too much. And that that's why I have this like, okay, twenty, twenty expressions a day into my new list. And and that's manageable, you know? I'm catching up with my with my line seven hundred and
0: fifty-one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So you've talked about self-talk. You've talked mm-hmm. about output. Yeah. And how you can learn from actually speaking yourself and how you can do that with lots of different people Mm -hmm. but not making mistakes Mm -hmm. Uh, what do you actually talk about then when you have when you get to speak
1: well this is this is the problem for many people like the first one or two lessons are interesting because you learn about each other right and what what do you do etc but then it gets kind of boring because you know all about the other person so if you have like a study tutor or a conversation partner that can be a problem Do, do you have that
0: problem personally
1: uh, what that I I don't know what to talk about. Yeah, uh, not really. I mean, I can I can always dig into stuff, and and I'm 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 good at creating content that I can talk about. So my teacher just asked me, "How was your day?" And I will come up with this story, you know, which I try to say, etc. But I think many people do.
0: It's like I've noticed many people do. I, I, the reason I ask is because I've never had a problem with that. If I have a if I have a, a conversation partner who I like. And who we get uh, that I get on with, but I never seem to run. I mean, sometimes you have a, a slow conversation day, you know, but I generally never really run out of things to talk about. So yeah,
1: but it, it depends is, on what the conversation
0: but I, I appreciate people do though. You know, I appreciate people do struggle yeah.
1: with that. But I, I have a I have a very simple solution for people who do have a problem with that, who are maybe not so uh, conversationally skilled, or you know, they don't they don't know how to how to lead the conversation in a way to continue. Uh, there's amazing websites, and I will just give like one of them, which which I like using a lot. Uh, it's called ESLDiscussions.org. Have you have you heard about it? No. It's it's pretty cool because it gives you like 200 topics with particular suggestions of what to talk about and how to talk about it. So if you just look at actually, let me see right now this ESLDiscussions.org. What? No, not .com, sorry. ESL
0: standing for... Sorry,
1: ESL, like um, English Conversation Questions. I don't know what ESL stands for.
0: English as a second language. Oh, right, sure.
1: Okay, I know this EFL, right,
0: as a foreign language. Yeah, it was like 10 different variations.
1: Right, okay. So you have 709 discussions, and each of these topics has like 10s, you know, like let's say the topic babies, and then student A has 10 questions, and student B has 10 questions. And just to give an example, what do you think of babies? Are you good with babies? What do you, what do you think, think babies, babies like doing most? And there's so many topics that you, it's very simple to answer this question, but it's wonderful for language practice. Really, really amazing.
0: Awesome. I mean, you mentioned questions there. I think one of the things I was going to say was that actually learning to ask questions yourself is, is a huge thing because often, often I think people wait for the tutor to come up to do all the work and to come up with the topics, but actually, being a good conversation partner means listening and then asking questions. And so forcing yourself to ask more questions is often a very good way to extend the conversation.
1: Right. But there's a danger if if the tutor is not aware of the goal of the lesson, making you speak, then they may just go on and on and on and speak, and you just get listening practice, right?
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right. So any final words on the topic of speaking?
1: Um, Yes, maybe one final word, which I find very important and it, that the key, really, to speaking at any level is to simplify whatever you want to say. Simplify it to the most primitive way how to describe things, and by that I mean, my favorite example is is uh, when I try to explain to my Spanish um, students, uh, Spanish-speaking friends, that you know we should go to that shopping center to the food court and choose. Uh, different types of restaurants and just meet in the middle and eat. You know, I just I wanted to suggest that, but I didn't know so many of those words. So instead, I, I all I said was "En esa casa hay mucha comida," which basically means there's a lot of food in that house. You know, and this is it's it's the most primitive way how to explain how to express that idea, but it worked because we they were discussing like, oh, we're hungry. Where do we go and eat? And I just wanted to say, you no, know, there's a lot of restaurants, um, you know, to choose from in that house. And of course, they laughed about it. Like, it was a very simple way to say, it, but my Spanish was like A2. So I was happy that I actually expressed something in general. And, and I think this is the key. Like, in Swahili the other day, I was telling my, my Swahili teacher, Handy, um, uh, explaining something about a mortgage. You know, I don't know how to say a mortgage in Swahili. become well, well one level. And I said, you, you know, I want to buy a flat. I need a lot of money for flat. I don't have enough money. I need to get money from someone. You know, the someone is a bank, etc. And we we got to the the concept of of a mortgage. So um, you can actually talk about almost anything with very very simple expressions. It, the the whole mindset again is just to simplify it to the to to the biggest way possible.
0: Yeah, learning to paraphrase, right? Learning to work your way around any obstacle, right. and ultimately, I guess. The the main thing with speaking is that if you want to learn to speak, if you want to get good at speaking, what's the one thing you actually have to do? Speak a lot.
1: There's really no way around it. There's no shortcut in this. It's just a lot of speaking practice, that's
0: all. All right. So we've covered self-talk. We've covered output. We've covered mistakes. We've covered what to talk about. We've covered simplification and then the importance of actually speaking golden stuff we've got one more part to this discussion part five and we're going to be talking about how to take everything that we've covered so far and actually take that off into the distant future so you can actually continue your learning uh beyond uh you know for 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 the the duration so to
1: the long term right
0: to the long term yeah so uh join us back for part five of this if you're watching on youtube make sure to subscribe um if not That's fine. Leave us a comment instead. Do something. Click the thumbs up or the thumbs down. You know what to do. And we'll see you back very soon for part five. See you there. It's a short course, three days, it's completely free, and if you'd like to sign up for it, please go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash free memory course.